Hey everyone, welcome to the Beauty for Ashes podcast, teachings prompted by the Holy Spirit and backed by the Word of God. I pray that these podcasts inspire, encourage, strengthen your faith, and deepen your relationship with your Creator. Enjoy. Welcome back, everyone. So lately, I've had it on my heart heavily to kind of talk about the topic love, right? We say, you know, we have to love ourselves. We have to love ourselves before we can love others. Um, But I say that you have to love God first, love yourself, and then love others. Um, I recently put out a post on Instagram talking about that briefly. So God has laid it on my heart heavily to start talking and teaching about love. Um, And not just any ordinary love, but the love of God and what happens when we tap into that love, how it activates a love within us, a love for ourselves and a love that we can share outwardly with others. So I've been digging deep into the epistles of John in scripture, and they are known to be known for being the books of love in the Bible. And I have been going through them and breaking them down and and researching and really trying to understand them on a very deep spiritual level and then trying to see where there may be breaches in my life where I'm not practicing them um, or where I maybe need to like step up my game a little bit in that area or where I definitely am falling hard, hard, hard and short. So I am going to break down for you what I have come to the conclusion on. So I'm basically going to read some of my notes from that, and I do believe it will bless you. I do believe that it will give you a deeper understanding of what love truly is, Um, and I believe that it for sure 100% will give you a revelation that will help you to incorporate these principles in your life and walk them out, not just think about them, not just talk them, but to actually apply them. So I'm going to probably have a couple parts of this podcast, but we are going to start um, with just about the first two and a half, um, the first two and a half chapters of First John. So let's begin. Grab a pen and a notebook if you have it. These are great to reflect on and it's great to just remind yourself because we say all the time, oh, you know, uh, God is love. God is love. God is love. Okay, but what does that mean? What does that mean? I said that for years. God is love. God is love. That God is just love. And uh, love is my religion. I don't have a religion. Love is my religion. While that's correct, I do not have a religion. I have a relationship. And that relationship is with the Lord Jesus Christ. That is with God, whom is love. But like, what does that mean? So John really gives light to this situation. So God is light. There is no darkness in him. Okay? God is light. God is love. But we often say, you know, live in the light. Live in the light. Be in the light. Be the light. But what we fail to recognize is that um, in order to be able to love something at its at your max capacity and to be able to receive love at a max capacity, we have to be able and willing more than anything to face the truth. And here it is. We will never ever be able to live in the light all the time not as long as we're living this earthly experience so god is light anything that is darkness is not of god does not come from god 
But we ourselves, as human beings, we will never be able to be in the light all the time. So while God is light and God is love, um, we aren't all the time. I don't know about you, but I definitely have uh, more frequent moments than I would like to admit where I am certainly not living in the light and I'm certainly um, leaning more towards the darkness, my mouth anyway. Um, So John goes on to tell us that we are not going to be the light all the time. And why? Because we have sinned and we have sin in us. Now let's just real quick break down sin. A sin is anytime you act against yourself or someone else. Okay. Anytime you cause yourself or act with intention to cause someone else to stumble, um, or anytime you act with intention to come out of the will of God, out of the love of God, out of, um, the alignment of what is right, kind, good, and all of that. So we have this sin. And John goes on to say, like, um, perfection is not our nature. Uh, We will never be perfect human beings, okay? Perfect is not our nature. It's God's nature. So God knew that. And God said, hey, I see these people are not living in love. Um, They really kind of don't know how to. There's so many temptations down there. There's so much going on down there um, that they need, like, an advocate. They need a middleman. They need someone who is going to be able to advocate for them, teach them. They need someone to follow. They need a leader. They need something. So lo and behold, that's where Jesus comes in. God says, listen, I'm going to send someone for you that is going to embody my spirit 100%. And this being who is Jesus, embodies the spirit of God, lives a sinless life, does not have anything to repent for, but is giving up his life for us. And he says that is the true act of love, laying down your life for a brother or a sister. That is the true act of love. Now, I don't know about you, but on a good day, uh, I don't think I'd jump in front of a bus for just anybody. Maybe you would, God bless you, but that's not me. So when I sit and I actually meditate on, and that's what it means, meditate is to think over and over and over about something. Um, it's not to empty your mind. If you didn't know that already, meditation is not to empty your mind, is to actually fill your mind up with good things. So that's why so many people struggle with meditation because they think, well, I can't meditate because I can't get my mind to stop. Well, that's great. No one's supposed to, but you are supposed to meditate on. You are supposed to fill up versus um, let go of, okay? In the filling up of goodness, darkness, heaviness, heavy weight uh, leaves, okay? So it's filling up with the good things and letting the, the less than comfortable good things fall to the wayside. So here comes Jesus. He atones for our sins. He makes us right. Okay. So no matter what we have done, no matter what we do, no matter what we will do, because God knows the beginning to the end, there is this intermediary. There is this advocate. There is this intercessor who is able to go before God and say, listen, I lived and I died and I I did that perfectly in pure perfection because you were in me and and I carried you amongst the earth and here I am and these people are now in me. They believe in me. They have faith in me. They know that I came and I came with such love. I came with the power of love. I came with God's love to give up my life for them and that is the highest act and authority of love they could ever experience. So it is written that, you know, maybe people don't pray for you. 
Maybe you don't know if anyone prays for you, but Jesus does. Jesus prays for you. He is the intercessor. He is the advocate for your life. So when we talk about, well, when John talks about, you know, we sin, we all have sinned. We all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Um, Here's the good news. No matter how bad you sin, no matter how often you have sinned, no matter what you are going to do in the future that you don't even know you're going to do, you're forgiven. You're forgiven. But here is the deal. You just have to repent. Now, repent isn't saying I'm sorry. Repent is coming out of hiding about something. So when this is where people, listen, there's some real religious words being thrown around right now. So hold your pants on, okay? Now, when we talk about sin, when we talk about repentance, a lot of people, that's enough to make them go, I do not want to read the Bible. I do not want it like this God stuff, this Jesus stuff is for the birds. It's too hot. It's too heavy. It's all that. I'm going to tell you why. I was the same way. That's why I have the power and the authority to say this to you right now. It only is frightening because you are hiding something. And it's not normally or usually that you're hiding something from someone. You're hiding something from yourself. And you know exactly the things that those are. There are ways that you live. There are things that you do that you know are so far from being in alignment with the love of God. Even if you aren't 100% sure what that is, what that looks like, what that feels like. You know there is some part of your life where you are just not in the right. And John goes on to say, you must repent. The second you repent... God says, you're forgiven. You've been forgiven. But now, because you used your free will and came out of hiding, you can receive my forgiveness. You can't receive forgiveness if you don't step out and hold your hand out. Do you understand? You can't be able, you can't receive anything until you put your hand out. You can't hold anything. You can't catch anything with your hands full. So that is what repentance is. Repentance is saying, God, I repent of my sin. I repent of all the wrongdoings I've done that I'm aware of and then the things I might not even be aware of because let's be honest and let's be truthful. There are ways that we live our life that we may think are okay and we may think are cool and good and by I mean, by God's grace, thank God, God knows that we're, we're ignorant to it and we don't know that the way we're maybe living is not in alignment with love. Because we think it's great and fun and fine and we can keep living that way. There's some things we don't know of. That's why whenever you repent, when I repent, I always say, God, I repent of my sin. The sin I'm aware of and sin I might not even be aware of. So repentance, sin. Let's talk about sin again really quick. Sin is not something that you need to be afraid of admitting. Sin is not a word you need to fear, okay? Sin means anytime you act against yourself or someone else. Anytime you act against yourself or someone else, intentionally and not intentionally. Repentance means to come out of hiding and into truth. So basically, it is the act of going from darkness into light. From so When something is hidden, it is concealed. It is in darkness. In, when something goes into light, it is revealed. Repentance is the act of revealing truth, okay? So you coming out and saying, God, 
I repent. When you come out of darkness into the light, when you put on God what you have been holding and you say, here, I'm going to need you to hold this for me. I repent. Take that from me. Thank you. Here you go. You give that to God. Now your hands are free. Now you can receive his forgiveness. So God, John goes on to say, God not only gave his life for you and his son, Jesus. Okay. That's the highest act of love, laying down your life for your brother or your sister. But before you even repent, you're forgiven. But in order for you to receive the forgiveness, you must come out from hiding. You must come out from hiding. And the forgiveness of God, the forgiveness of God, the forgiveness of your wrongdoings, not only are you forgiven, but you're cleansed. Do you understand? That means clean slate. There's no need for shame, guilt, condemnation. That's why people get so hung up on God and it gets like so upsetting to me. You know, they think God is this vengeful, condemning God. That's not it at all. That's not, we condemn ourselves. We hold on to the guilt. We hold on to the shame. Forgiveness is always on the table. We just have to eat it. We have to. Jesus is our advocate, our intercessor. He prays and pleads our case. Our case. What does that mean when John says our case? It means whatever we have done that is not in the alignment with God, Jesus goes, yo, God, they're cool. They believe in me. Okay, they're in me. They've given their life to me. They believe in me by faith. They're cool. They're cool. God goes, yeah, okay, cool. I'll make sure that I don't allow anything to happen to them. Um, there, there won't be a repercussion for that because they have come clean and repent means to turn from. So it doesn't even mean just coming out of the light, but it means coming out of the light, handing over the wrongdoing and then turning away turning away, not going back to what had once enslaved you. Okay. So Jesus is the perfection. Perfect isn't our nature. It is God. Jesus is the perfection. He's the sacrifice that paid for the sin. Sin you did, sin you're going to do, sin you're doing now. He paid for it all. That's what it means when it is written. It is finished. He gave up his life for you because he loved you and you are saved. Okay. Knowing God isn't enough. Okay, knowing God isn't enough and knowing God isn't knowing God until you act more like God. So John goes on to say, well, let's let's get a little deeper into this love talk now. So if you want to know God, okay, we first first know that he gave his son to die for you. First know that he not only gave his son to die for you, but that is the highest act of love laying down a life for someone else. But also know that knowing God isn't knowing God until you act like God. So how do we act like God? He goes on to say, well, acting by God, acting like God is, is you following his commandments. Oh, here we go. Another churchy word. We got sin. We got repentance. We got commandments. Y'all okay. I hope you're breathing over there. Drink some water, deep breathe, take a couple deep breaths. We ain't going to stop because this is going to change your life. If you embody it, embrace it and act upon it. He says, if you follow his commandments, commandments mean, AKA teachings, teachings. How many people do you follow on social media that teach you something? That's a commandment they're giving you. Now, what by what power and authority? I have no idea because I don't know what kind of God they're serving. But somebody's teaching you something and you're following that. That's a commandment you're following. So keep your pants on. Commandment is not that big of a scary word, just like sin and repentance isn't. But John goes on to say, when you follow God's commandments, 
aka his teachings, you will act like God. You will become like God. You will become the love that God is. God teaches through Jesus. We learn, we apply it, we mess it up, we fail, or maybe we nail it sometimes. But the most important thing is that we followed and we keep following. Okay, let's talk about following. Following is an act of obedience. Again, think about your social media. Think about your life. Think about your family. There are people in your lo- in your life that are that you're learning from, that you're taking teachings from. These are commandments and you're following them. You're obeying them to some degree or another. That is a really 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 eye-opening epiphany moment when you sit and go, "Who am I? Who am I following? What are they teaching me?" Because this becomes an act of obedience. I'm actually beginning to obey a teaching, a commandment of another person. What is that? What is that? I will tell you right now. I don't follow anybody. I ain't never going to follow anybody unless it's Jesus, okay? I follow God's commandments and I follow them. Sometimes I fail. But again, he forgives me, okay? Let's keep going. We know God through the enlightenment, the enlightenment that comes by following him. So we receive enlightenment. We receive blessings, epiphany, awareness, deeper understanding, revelation by following him through his teachings. Knowing God comes from the application of his word. This is why the word is so important. You can't look at the Bible as a Bible of condemnation, a book of condemnation, vengeful, um, a vengeful God, etc., because you're missing the whole point. The book of the Bible, the Bible itself, the books in the Bible, they are a story of redemptive history. God spoke to people then, he spoke through people then, and he still does speak to and through people today. So God's redemptive history and the restoration of humanity, the biggest, biggest, biggest revelation and happening to humanity happens in the Bible. And they are stories that are relevant still today. But you have to read them, let it renew your mind, and you will receive revelation. So knowing God comes from the application of his word, which leads to transformation and revelation. Renewing your heart and mind. It is written, the word of God is sharper and more active than a double-edged sword. What does that mean? A double-edged sword. God spoke it. That's the first edge. You read it, you speak it, you apply it, you act upon it. That's the second double edge of the sword. We need to be Jesus in the flesh. Be Jesus in the flesh. Okay? The act of giving and receiving love depends entirely on our ability to follow through, apply And abide by his teachings, which are not heavy, which are not hard to do. And it's so simple. We make it this glorified religious aspect and and doing when that is not what it is at all. He's asking for your relationship and your relationship in learning his word, learning his teachings and applying them. So here, the most important commandment, aka teaching of Jesus is this. Love one another. That's it. Y'all ain't, 
y'all aren't reading the Bible because you think it's hot and heavy and deep and too religious? Please tell me, what is too religious about loving one another? Please, I, I would love to know. I do know because it was me. I was just like you. I was living in all sorts of sin. I, had, I was so against myself. I was so against other people. I was hiding so many things from this one and that one and myself. So many things I didn't want to come clean on to myself because I knew I would be made accountable. And I didn't know that I could handle that. I didn't know if I could handle that. And I didn't know where that would lead me, where it would leave me. So lead and leave me. I didn't know. And the Bible to me was frightening because I heard and I heard and I heard and I listened to this person and that person's saying this person, I was listening to all the wrong people. I was listening to a lot of religious people. Okay. But when you read the Bible and you understand his commandment, his very first most important commandment, Jesus says, this is the most important commandment. Love one another. There ain't nothing religious about that. Love one another. How do you love one another? That's about relationship. Again, God is a God of relationship, not religion. He doesn't want your religion. Jesus came to override religion, override the law. We are not bound by the law because Jesus has set us free from the law and the condemnation that the law brings. Living in the light means that you have to love in the dark. Somebody write that down. Living in the light means you have to love in the dark. You have to live in such a way that does not cause anyone to stumble. No matter if you're having a bad day, they're having a bad day, you have to love in the dark. You got to love people in their darkest moments. You got to love the people you don't like. You got to love the people that are nothing like you. You got to love the people who hurt you. You got to love the people who continuously hurt you. Don't mean you got to stay around them, but you got to love them. You can place them right, move their little seat from front row to the balcony, and you still have to love them. That is a commandment. That is the teaching. That is what you are called to obey and apply in your life. The person who hurt you, that left you for high and dry and up for dead, the person who stole from you. The person who, who, you know, lied to you was deceitful. The person who never gave you the time of day. Okay. The mother, the father who walked out, the brother and sister who hurt you more than anyone will ever know. You have to love everyone in their darkest hour. Now, nowhere there did Jesus say, go talk to them, help them through their problems. Um, Lay yourself down like a doormat and tell them, hey, walk all over me in and out a couple times, go in and out the threshold a couple times. Nowhere does Jesus say that. Nowhere does Jesus say, drain your resources trying to love someone. Drain your sanity. Jeopardize your health. Nowhere does Jesus say that. Jesus says, love one another. All the people you don't like, all the people hurt you. What does that mean? The highest act of love is laying down one's life for someone. It means not only do you have to make a pardon, a pardon, and it, it, you excuse them. You excuse them. What they did was wrong. What they did was hurtful. What they did was awful. What they did is terrible. I can't forgive them, but you know what? God can. I can't forgive them, but, but you know what? God can help me receive his forgiveness on their behalf. And 
you lay down your life and say, I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to pardon them like I've been pardoned because tell me you haven't been. You have hurt people worse than you will ever know. There are people you hurt that won't even tell you that you hurt them. And maybe you didn't do it intentionally, but you did. You did hurt them. You've been pardoned. God hasn't punished you. God isn't sitting there sicking an army on you, being like, yo, go get him. He broke that girl's heart or he, you know, whatever. No, not happening. God has pardoned you more times than one, more times than 10, more times than 100. So if God does it for us, we need to be able to do it for other people. Again, does not have to be a public commencement, does not have to be an announcement, does not have to be a party and a brigade that you have forgiven someone. You forgive and that is between you and God. You do not have to do the forgiving. You say, God, help me receive your forgiveness. Help me receive your forgiveness and God will help you. He is a hearer and an answer of prayer. The highest act of love is laying down someone's life. You pardon those who have hurt you. And I'm not saying it's easy because it's not. But every day you say, Lord, help me forgive. Help me forgive. Help me receive your forgiveness. I have been forgiven so many times. I have been wronged so many times. Just help me to pardon the way that you have pardoned me. And he will help you to do so. He will help you to do so. Love is sacred. Love is power. What you love, you give your power to. But what you love should be able to return that same power and love to you. And I don't mean an earthly love. I mean a spiritual love, a godly love. So follow me here. We're going somewhere deep with this, okay? And this convicts a lot of people. It convicts me every day of my life, I'm being honest with you. What you love should be able to love you back. So let's talk about that new car you got. Let's talk about uh, that money in the bank. Let's talk about that job that you're burning yourself out on because you need a dollar. Let's talk about um, Instagram. Let's talk about Facebook. Let's talk about all that. Let's talk about that new handbag, those new shoes. Um, let's talk about the shopping carts that's filled on your, uh, on your phone right now that you're about to check out on. None of those things can love you back. John goes on to say in chapter two of first John, he says, do not love, do not love the world. Do not love this world. Loving worldly things depletes your power and initiates pride. The more you crave worldly desires, you need them to feel validated and confirmed. Who are you without those things? Because God says none of those, that none of that's love. None of that is love. But so often we fill a void. And we crave earthly desires. We need the bigger paycheck. We need the big. God's not saying it's not good to have goals. It's not good to enjoy the pleasures of life. 
God's saying when you begin to love them, that means whatever takes place over him, whatever takes presence and precedent over his presence in your life, that's when it's become an idol. That's when it's become something that has initiated pride in your spirit and has depleted your power, aka true love. Okay, something that has uh, caused a breach in the connection between you and God, because now you desire this thing more than you desire your connectedness with God, with your creator. Who are you without those things? Who are you without those things? So many people try to fill the void of love, the void of love. So many with outwardly things. And it's not just like, I'll treat myself once in a while. It is like constant. Maybe it's you. I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to just shed some light on a dark situation so that you can see what's been holding you back and standing you standing in between you and living the highest life that God's called you to live. Who are you without those things? Do people know you by what you have? Do people know you by what you've done? Or do people know you and remember you because of who you have helped them to become? Those are very serious questions. I highly, highly recommend you meditate on those questions. Who am I without those things? Who am I without the job title? Who am I without the job? Who am I without the relationship? Who am I without the clothes, the shoes? Who am I without that bank account? Who am I without all that? How do people remember me? How do people know me? Do people know me by what I have? Oh, he's the guy that drives that car. Oh, she's the girl that owns that business. Do people know me by what I've done? Oh, yeah, so she's the one that made that big, like, chaotic scene and, like, it was on the news. And, yeah, you've seen it. Everyone's seen it. Or do people know you because of who you helped them to become? How you made them feel? Oh, my God, yeah, I know him. I, I heard about him and then, you know, I went out and he was there and I talked to him and like, you don't understand. I, he like spoke into my spirit and I felt so good. We had this deep conversation and he just, he totally made me feel like alive again. And he, he helped me to remember like all this and that. And oh my God. Yeah. No, I know her. Yeah. She's the girl that just, yeah, she, I, I reached out to her. I just felt like compelled to reach out and Next thing I know, we're talking about this and that. And she totally talked me through one of the most difficult seasons of my life. And we didn't even really know each other. Very serious questions that will put you right in check. The world is not eternal. Worldly desires are not eternal. Facebook, Instagram, a relationship, a new car, a new house, a big bank account. None of that is eternal. 
Only the love of God is eternal. Only the spirit is eternal. Where your heart is, there is also your treasure. We hear that all the time. But where are your treasures? So if you know where your heart is, you know where your treasure is. So are you more worried about getting the big bank account, getting the big house, getting the... Where, where is your heart? Where is your treasure? Are your treasures natural, man-made kind of treasures? Or are they supernatural, spirit-derived, eternal treasures? These are things for you to think about because when we know and we understand these principles and when we incorporate and apply and face and confront and repent and turn from and follow what we need to, we will have a better understanding of what love is, who love is, how to receive that love, and then how to give it tenfold. I'm going to leave you with two things that I want you to meditate on as well. I want you to say this stuff to yourself whenever you feel like you're clinging to worldly desires, whenever you feel like you're clinging to the past, whenever you feel like you're clinging to something that you know is not good for you. Whenever you are clinging to something, seeking security that is anything other than God, just keep saying these things in your mind. These will put you in check. A fair face may fade, but a beautiful soul lasts forever. A man was diagnosed with cancer. He called the doctor first, not the bank. I pray that this blesses you. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you open the hearts of every single person who listened to this entire podcast. I pray that you would open their hearts and that you would speak a special word unto them, whether it be into their spirit while they're awake or into their dreams while they're asleep. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would let them know that you forgive them. You just need to hand over your forgiveness. And you need their hand to be open to receive the power of your forgiveness. I pray that you guide them. You guide them. You guard them. You protect them. You let your word take root in their heart. That you ignite a new flame in their heart and a new desire to get into your word. Study your word. Apply your word. So that they can receive your love at its max capacity, overflowing, abundant, eternal, infinite, so that they would receive it and then be able to give it tenfold in such a way that would not only change them, not only change the lives of those around them in their family, in their friend groups, in their community, 
but that it would be a love so powerful and so far spreading that it would overcome the world. In Jesus' name, amen.